Welcome back to the Meet St. Louis podcast, the show taking you behind the scenes of your favorite restaurants, breweries, and small businesses. I'm your host, Alexis Zotos with KMOV. Big Heart Tea really started as a passion project. For founder Lisa Govro, she tells us she really just wanted a way to talk to people about turmeric. She started at the farmer's market, and well, now you can find her teas all over St. Louis and across the country, even in stores like Anthropology. It was a long road of lessons learned for the female-owned business. Lisa joined us over the phone for this week's episode, in between helping her daughter with virtual learning, demonstrating the challenges of balancing motherhood and running a business. We chat about how she got started in the tea industry and how she had to really learn as she went. For Lisa, it was vital to have a company that really stood for something. And that means working with tea farmers directly all around the world and putting a strong emphasis on ethically sourcing the best ingredients. So let's meet Lisa. Thanks for joining us on the podcast today. Yeah, thank you for having me. You guys started Big Heart Tea, what, back in 2012, I think? So we started selling tea in 2012. Okay. We started as a retrailer. So we had a 1969 camper trailer that we took around to farmers markets and street fairs. And then in 2017, we rebranded as Big Heart Tea Company. Oh, okay. Talk to me back, walk me back to, to 2012 on, on how you got started. What made you think, I'd like to start selling tea? <laughs> well, in um, all honesty, wasn't interested in selling tea I was interested in talking to people about turmeric mm. and the healing powers of turmeric and how you can improve your quality of life with a simple you know cup of tea or you know a little sprinkle of turmeric in your food every day and so that's sort of how it started is more of just like this art project slash community awareness thing I really didn't have a business plan. I wasn't planning on growing a business. I was just more having it fun. Um, different, different time. Definitely not 2020. <laughs> right. When everything was light and fun. Yeah. <laughs> and how did, how did you sort of, I mean, you said you didn't have a business plan, but how did you decide, okay, I think I'll go to these farmer's markets. I think I'll, I mean, how did that all kind of come about? Was it pretty organic or... Yeah, well, so, well, because I was working with a food product, I did have to get a business license and get a health certificate and start working out of a commercial kitchen. And so that reality sort of did, you know, make things a little bit more serious mm -hmm. for us. Um, but I don't know. Does that answer your question? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, what was it like when you first started heading to those farmers markets? What was the response like? Well, we had only one tea that we were serving for the first year. It was um, our Cup of Sunshine, the original version. Mm -hmm. It was fresh, raw turmeric and ginger that I grated with a cheese grater and brewed with just a little bit of honey. And the goal was to get people to come inside the trailer and have a seat and a cup of tea and um, just start having a conversation. And eventually we would start talking about herbs and food and food as medicine. And um, it was really fun. Like we made a lot of lifelong friends in those days, um, just building a community or becoming part of a community that um, thinks of food as medicine. 
so we had a great, we had a great start. And then how did it start to evolve? Well, it really got serious when we got our first wholesale inquiry for providing tea to a cafe. It was Whisk Sustainable Bake Shop on Cherokee. We love um, Whisk. <laughs> yes, yes. Kayla is one of my best friends and now. But at the time, the first thing she told me was that she didn't even like tea, but she needed to have it at her cupcake <laughs> shop. <laughs> um, so anyway, so we... Um, we started offering them tea and then we just started filming a whole bunch of inquiries from other restaurants in the St. Louis area to, um, you know, help them with their tea menu. And so that's really when things started getting serious. What was that like for you to sort of start seeing that this was taking off? Yeah. Well, um, it well, all of a sudden I had this tea company. So I remember in the beginning I wasn't, doing this work to to talk to about tea or to provide tea it was more to talk about food wellness mm-hmm. and so um I had to learn a lot about the industry and so that's um that was a really scary point for me because <laughs> felt this responsibility to provide this high quality product to match these high quality menus and that meant that I had to do a lot more learning about where we were getting our ingredients and um you know how to measure quality and taste and and also train folks on how to prepare the teas in a way that they need to be served. So, yeah, how did that research go? How did you figure out where you wanted to start sourcing your tea from? Yeah, so I started I went in 2015. I went to the World Tea Expo. It's an annual event that happens somewhere different in the country. And um I went, I left my daughter. I had just had my baby and she was like four months old. And I remember it must've been hard. (laughs) I had left home and I was overnighting breast milk to her. It was like this crazy trip, but I met so many people um, at that 2015 world tea expo that um, I ended up traveling the world with. And so one of the most um, influential partners that we met there um, actually became sort of our key sourcing partner for many years and uh, made many um, farm partner introductions. And then those introductions turned into other introductions. And it just sort of spiraled out from there to how we um, started developing our supply chain. And for a lot of people who maybe aren't familiar with how that works, you guys are, are very intentional about where you source your tea from. Can you kind of talk to us about some of the places that you're getting this from, getting the tea from and, and kind of how important it is to do that in a very specific way? Yeah, absolutely. So one of our key sourcing partners is Heritage um, Tea Estate in Assam. And um, Assam is um, one of the cornerstones for the commodification of Indian tea. It's um, where they learned more about growing the tea cultivars in India and um, started expanding that for more global commerce. And there's a big, ugly history of colonization and um, oppression of indigenous people in that region specifically and other tea growing regions as well. And so as we started to learn that um, and knowing that Assam is 
one of the most sought after common black teas that you will find on a menu, we had to provide this type of tea product to our customers. But then we also had to make sure that it wasn't supporting any of these old ideals that we, that don't align with our mission. Mm -hmm. And so um, we met Rajan in June in 2018. And Rajan was a former um, tea estate manager. Um, He worked for many um, large estates and small estates um, managing the cultivation and the aggregation of leaf for production. And um, in his tenure of that work, he, you know, realized that more work had to be done to sustain the farmers that he was working for. Mm. And so he retired from that business and started his own tea estate. And that is heritage, Assam heritage estate. And so he um, aggregates leaf from small family farms all over the region and he produces it in his own tea factory. Um, hmm. And at this point, he's skilled and he's he's um, selling largely in the European market and the U.S. market. But most of his tea does go outside of the region um, for um, for more specialty tea buyers. So, and you guys have you you mentioned you started with just one tea, the cup of sunshine, which I feel like so many people really know you all for yeah so we have um our original line that launched it's a line of seven teas and um when i was doing my brainstorming for how i wanted to um or what we wanted to offer um we are primarily an herbal company so we do sell these really fine beautiful black and green teas and matchas and oolongs to food service customers but mostly our retail customers and our e-commerce customers are herbal tea shoppers. Mm -hmm. And um, we are an herbal tea company at Origin. And so our primary signature line is mostly herbal. And um, it's seven teas. And if you look on our website, um, you'll see it's in a rainbow spectrum, our packaging Mm -hmm. is. And that's because when we were brainstorming our flavor profiles, we aligned the teas to the chakra system. And so each system has a different energy that is trying to evoke. And so we aligned with herbs that are um, are within that system. So that's how we developed our, our signature line. We don't work in that um, ideology anymore, but um, that's sort of the essence of how we all got started. Do you have a favorite tea that you guys have, have created over the years and, or uh, one that you drink uh, the most regular? Yeah. I mean, of course it's our, our <laughs> cup of sunshine. Like it's my baby. Like our, it's a turmeric tea. It's ginger, peppercorn, cinnamon, Tulsi, every single ingredient is anti-inflammatory. Um, it's not the original cup of sunshine that we served back in the trailer days, um, but it's pretty darn close. Um, to flavor and goodness. And so that's my go-to. Um, but more and more these days, I've been drinking a lot of matcha. And mm-hmm. so here in the office, we've been having matcha breaks, which has been really nice little pick-me-up in the middle of the day. Have you found that the um, interest in tea and the market for tea has evolved and changed over the years since you got started? Oh, yes, certainly. Um, Let's see, we've been doing this since 2012. So we've seen a lot of different trends come and go. Um, One thing when we started doing turmeric, um, it wasn't on trend. And now it is on (laughs) trend. trend. And so (laughs) 
So that was really interesting to see, of course, happen the, the turmeric invasion happen in this health and wellness world. Um, but other trends that we've seen are matcha are huge. Um, and that's a really exciting one because it's a really great entry point for people to start learning about fine teas, um, specialty teas, greens and blacks. Um, and it's a great starting point to start learning about other cultures and regions um, through each cup of tea as well. So those are the two main trends. How um, do you hope to kind of expand people's horizons beyond just them ordering a matcha, uh, you know, at the counter somewhere? You know, what do you hope that your brand can help people, as you just said, sort of learn about where this comes from? Right. So we are called Big Heart Tea for a reason. Um, So we were established to help people feel good. Um, And so that's the primary objective is that we want people to feel good about themselves. They want want them to feel good about what they're putting in their bodies um, and use the opportunity of tea as as a way to rest, relax, maybe step away from the phone um, and have like a moment of you, Mm. you time. And so really um, once you get to know our brand and you feel comfortable with us being that intimate and sensitive with our customers, that's when we really start diving a little bit deeper into our sourcing and where we're getting our stuff and why that's so important to us. Um, But the very essence is that we want people to feel good about what they're drinking and have feel good moments when they're drinking our tea. You mentioned sort of the branding of your business. You guys have a beautifully created social media feed. How has social media helped you all grow as a company? Yeah, so it's that's been quite a journey for us in learning. Um, social media for us is pretty huge. Um, we see it, um, as, um, particularly Instagram, as almost a catalog. Mm -hmm. It's almost like a a wholesale trade expo as well. A lot of um, large retailer buyers are looking on Instagram to discover new brands. And that's how we've um, been discovered by Anthropology, how we were discovered by Nordstrom. And, um, you know, those also led to other discoveries by other corporations. And so we feel it is a huge, powerful sales tool for us. And so that's the primary objective of our social media is to um, to reach out and to do storytelling and to tell people why it's so important. Um, but it's also been really great to see how people are interacting with our product, mm-hmm. too. So we have a lot of um, a pretty high user engagement. Um, where people are brewing their tea, posting pictures of their tea, along with, you know, a few words about how they're feeling. Um, And to us, that's all just an indication that we are doing the right thing, that people are able to have a drink of our tea and then feel so good about it that they want to tell their friends. What was it like when you got those calls from those big companies like Nordstrom's and Anthropology? What was that like? Yeah, um, very exciting, like roller coaster. So we actually developed our packaging, our color template, um, just the whole design feel with inspiration from anthropology. So when we're going through the brand process, we're like, where do you want to see your tea on the shelf? And that was the one place that we named. Mm. And so when we got that call, we were like, ah, we made this for you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and so that was pretty huge. Um, and then when we, you know, sometimes we get these big calls in the middle of doing all these other 
things that, and we're a small company. And so, um, they're exciting, but they're also really stressful, mm-hmm. um, because then that's just another step that we have to take in scaling and growing, um, that, you know, we're always unprepared for. So how do you balance that? Uh, you know, as a small business owner, as a mom, I mean, how do you make it all work? Well, um, I don't all the time. Um, when it works, it works. And when it doesn't, we learn and we grow from it. Um, we have a small team. All of us are women. And um, we're all dealing with unique challenges at home in our personal lives um, and trying to um, still remain productive and grow in this crazy time frame that we're in. Um, and I think right now, lately, I've just been practicing just a lot of self-compassion. Um, Mm -hmm. whereas before my expectation of a level of work and service that I could do was very high. And it took me a long time to realize that that's just not real right now. Um, and so we ask for a lot of help. Um, and, um, how do I manage it all? Well, I work a lot. Um, I, but I still have compartmentalized time for family, um, and spending time, quality time with my daughter, obviously helping with virtual learning. Mm -hmm. Um, so I don't know how sustainable it is, but we are in the thick of it right now as a company moving into holidays. So I imagine this is getting to be a busy time for you guys. Yes. Yes. What's your message to those other working parents out there who are probably in your same shoes trying to balance their business, especially during these times of COVID while doing virtual learning and and trying to really manage it all? Oh, gosh. (laughs) I hear you. I feel you. I see you. Um, We'll get through this together. I... I don't have any words of encouragement right now because I'm also in the thick of it. Um, but sometimes that realness um, is what people also need to hear, you know, (laughs) (laughs) it also probably is a good reminder of, of how important it is for that sort of self care moments. Those that time when you can find during the day to, as you said, sort of step back from the phone and, and find that moment of, of calm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I guess that is one, point that you bring up is that self-care is really important but right now community care Mm. and like having you know building relationships focusing on relationships that you've been wanting that you've been wanting to nurture haven't nurtured now is a great time for that we all need each other more than ever so um don't be afraid to to reach out to an old friend that you haven't talked to um you mentioned that sort of the the push in your company was that first wholesale account. And now I know you can find your teas not only in so many of the cafes around town, but in collaborations with different restaurants. What was that like? And how did you sort of start working with chefs who wanted to use your tea as more than just something to drink? Yeah, that's that's always been very fun. Um, my initial training that got me into thinking about food healing um, was a um, a chefing apprenticeship in an Ayurvedic kitchen. And so I do like to think that I have back of house house roots in in some ways. Mm -hmm. And so working with chefs and tastemakers is always 
like that's my sweet spot. That's where I'm the most happy developing things, creating things and learning from people. Um, And so that just developed organically based off of, you know, creating relationships with people. St. Louis has a really uh, embraceive food community. Right. Talk about some of those ways that you've seen, um, some of your teas be utilized in menus around the area. I think a lot of people obviously know about drinking tea, but they might not think about ways that it can then be used in their food. Yeah. I mean, one of my favorite, very favorite, um, collaborations, I hate to play favorites is the ice cream that Clementine's did with our cup of sunshine. Mm -hmm. Um, if you've had a golden milk, um, latte, that's basically what this is in the ice cream. It's so delicious. The creaminess of, of Clementine's ice cream is, is always delightful. And then added with the spice of our sunshine dust, which is a turmeric, ginger, peppercorn, and lemongrass um, mixture. It is like a really nice, bright, um, calm, like bright and calming <laughs> ice cream. It's so great. It's so delicious. Well, and it's always so fun to see that kind of collaborative effort between our local businesses here in St. Louis. We love Clementine's, one of our favorite episodes. Whisk is another great episode. If you listeners haven't heard either of those, go back and check out those episodes. But it's one of the things that we love to chat about on the podcast is that collaborative effort here in St. Louis between the small businesses. And, you know, it's, it's so cool to, to hear about how those all kind of get started. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of it is just, you know, uh, we're all friends and we're all in it together and we don't often get times to socialize in a really traditional sense because we are working all the time. Mm -hmm. And so one of the ways that we can expand friendship and play with that is through collaborating what is some of your advice for other small business owners who are listening to this and thinking, oh, I've always had this idea, but I've been too scared to get started? What's your advice? Oh, like um, like as a product expansion? Or sure, or just like really pivot? diving into what you love. If there's a passion project, you mentioned that this sort of started with your love for wanting to kind of talk about food wellness. How did you find the the nerves to really just do it? Well, I was not very smart. <laughs> <laughs> hey, honesty is good. <laughs> um, I mean, I think you have to be a little naive to get into this business because it's really hard. And if you, you know, were getting into it, knowing all of the hard, challenging times that you were going to have to face, um, it might be a deterrent. So you do have to be a little naive about what you're getting into and just have you know, authentic love of what you're doing. And if you care about what you're doing a lot, that will come through when you're talking to other people about it and they'll get excited about it. And that's how I think you can authentically grow and start a business. What do you see as the future of Big Heart Tea? Are there dreams of, of growing bigger? Are you guys working on, on things for the future? What, where do you see the company going? Oh, we have so many dreams. I don't even have time to get into all of our big, big dreams that we have. Um, we're only growing right now. Um, we're growing at a rate that's very sustainable and also very stressful for us. Um, but good. It's a good. It's pushing us um, to, to do more and to think differently. 
Um, and so I don't see us going anywhere. Um, I would love to get back on the road and start um, meeting with farmers again. Um, but right now that's not a possibility. And mm-hmm. so we're just focused on building our relationships virtually with folks and um, strengthening our relationships with our existing farmers and vendors. Um, but yeah, I mean, I see big things for Big Heart. What is it like to sort of build those relationships with your farmers, uh, building those relationships around this product that you all love so much? Um, well, it's great because, um, <laughs> I mean, again, it's when you are doing something that you love, you work with your friends mm-hmm. and all of our business partners or farm partners that we've, we've come to know have all become really great friends. Um, and so, when we're not talking about, um, you know, the business side of things, we're updating each other on our families and what's going on regionally, where we live. Um, and it's a great way to stay connected to the world. Well, and it just demonstrates that even right now, when we do feel sometimes so isolated um, during this pandemic, that, that there is still a way to have that connection. Yeah. I mean, you definitely have to work for it. It's hard. It's not easy. It's exhausting, but it's worth it at the end of the day. What makes you think that St. Louis is the kind of town that really helps sort of foster, you know, we've got so many great small businesses, so many great women-owned businesses. What about our community really kind of helps make that happen? Yeah. I mean, since I moved to St. Louis in 2012, I've been Where did you move here from? I, um, I moved here from Seattle, oh, Washington. Okay. Um, but I was so impressed by the, like, fierce support of local um the st louis community has Mm -hmm. um i've always been impressed by that but even more so um when the reality of um 2020 um came to a head and just seeing like an overpouring support of um customers and friends and people in the community business owners calling each other talking to each other just sharing what we're going on what was going on not even on a transactional basis, of course, it was more of just like making sure that we were okay and everyone checking in. Um, I'm sure so, that meant a lot as a business owner in such a scary yeah, time. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's to St. Louis, but I, I think it. I think it may be. I mean, we all operate as a family, um, as a community, and so for us having a business here, we've always felt tremendously supported by the community. You can learn more about their direct trade partners, as well as some of those fun recipes that we mentioned that incorporate those teas all on their website, BigHeartTea.com. We love sharing the stories of our local business owners. And if you have a story you want to hear or a person you want to meet, we'd love to hear from you. You can connect with us on social media. Find us on Instagram and Facebook at Meet St. Louis Podcast. This episode was produced and edited by JJ Bailey.